This is the Sheffield Vineyard Podcast. We love Jesus and we want to be a people that follow him with all of our lives. We love our city of Sheffield and we want to see it full of people who are full of the life that Jesus has to offer. Now I'm sure that we all have uh, memories of the COVID crisis. And for some of us, in fact, for most of us, that was not a very pleasant experience, was it? Um, Even if we avoided serious illness, we had to put up with lockdowns, social distancing, don't come too close, you know, this kind of stuff. Um, Some of us had to uh, work from home so we couldn't get into work and see all our mates. And as a result of that, some of us, maybe even some folks here, Uh, struggled with a variety of kind of mental health issues. And I suppose the the main reason for that was a reduction in our human contact. Now, when we look at how God created the world, if you go right back to the beginning of Genesis, chapter 1, chapter 2, it says that everything was good, even very good. But actually, that's not the whole story. Because in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, God says, It is not good that the man is alone. It's not good for him to be alone. And of course, the immediate answer to, to Adam's need was to create Eve to be his wife. But I believe the application of this is, is much broader than just um, married couples. And it's not good for anyone to be alone. Whether we're married or single, um, or maybe we're divorced or widowed, God made us to be social beings. And we need one another. We need meaningful relationships. Well, last week, Alex introduced a new series of talks at Sheffield Vineyard on the subject of relationships. And he reminded us that our identity is based on the fact that we are loved by God and indeed deeply precious to God. And we need to really hang on to that truth when we think about relationships because the more we know we are deeply loved by God, we will be able to relate to others in a loving way and treat others as precious creations of God. Well, today we're going to examine friendships. Friendships. And even without the challenges of of lockdowns and so on, uh, loneliness is endemic in our society. And this can lead to a deep anxiety and a sort of heartfelt cry for deep, intimate relationships. And friendships may not take away all these feelings. They will not solve all our problems. But at the very least, a friend will help us to know that we are not alone in the midst of our need. 
Now, of course, there are many different kinds of friendships. If you go to uh, Jane and my uh, Facebook page, you will see that we have more than a thousand friends. Wow, no shortage of friends. Now, friends, I'm not talking about those kind of friends. Well, not all a thousand of them, okay. Um, today, I'm talking about deep, uh, intimate friendships. And I'm not going to talk much about um, forming friendships. We, we tend to be attracted to people of similar interests or personality. Uh, and perhaps the most important thing is, is to find people of, of good character. Uh, the book of the Proverbs in the Bible talks quite a lot about friendship. Proverbs 12.26 says this, The righteous choose their friends carefully but the way of the wicked leads them astray. Uh, and other proverbs uh, tell us to avoid people who gossip, if you want friends. You know, let's have a good gossip. <laughs> you know, no, not that kind of friendship. Um, tells us, the book of Proverbs tells us to, um, oh yeah, avoid those who are hot-tempered. If you have a friend who's hot-tempered, before long it'll be, I'll give you a clip around your ear oil. You know, so no, away from those who are hot-tempered, okay. Um, where are we? <laughs> Proverbs 18.24 says, One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And we need to ask ourselves... Have we got those kind of friends? Friends who will really stick close to us through thick and thin. Well, today, the thing I want to focus on um, are ways in which we can deepen our friendships. And we're going to base this on some examples in the Bible. Could have looked at the Old Testament. I mean, there's uh, Naomi and Ruth. Uh, there's David and Goliath. Oh, no, no, they weren't Palais, were they? Uh, David and Jonathan. Lots of people use David and Jonathan as an example. Uh, but I want to concentrate on the Apostle Paul and look at his friendships. And then in conclusion, um, we'll look more briefly at Jesus' friendships. Now, Paul was a single guy. He was most likely um, widowed although some scholars say that his wife may have left him when he believed in Jesus. Um, we don't know that for sure. Um, he had a good number of friends. He greets some of them right at the end of the book of Romans, his letter to the Romans, like this. My dear friend Epinetus, Ampliatus, my dear friend in the Lord, my dear friend Stachys, my dear friend Persis, a woman who's worked very hard in the Lord. And these include both men and women, and he describes them as my dear friends. Well, actually, that's NIV. If you look at the original Greek, literally, he describes them as my beloved now, obviously, Paul was not English. You call your mates, hello, my beloved. <laughs> Maybe we should. 
Um, it's the same word which, which the Father used when talking to Jesus, when he was baptized and on the Mount of Transfiguration. And he says, this is my beloved son. That's the kind of relationship we should be thinking of. And Paul had um, incredibly deep and loving relationships. He writes to the Philippians, that was the very first church he planted in Europe. My brothers and sisters whom I love and long for. Yes, sometimes people say, oh, Jesus was the loving one. Paul, no, he was a bit harsh. Not at all. Do you remember when Paul said goodbye to the leaders of the Ephesian church, a church where Paul had done amazing miracles? And we read that they all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. Paul's relationships were marked by loving commitment. But how did he maintain this with his closest friends? And I'm going to mention four, four things. This is not a proper sermon. Proper sermons are supposed to have three things. But I'm going to have four things, okay? Um, firstly, and this is pretty obvious, Paul kept in close contact with his friends. He did this by regular visits, by um, writing letters, some to churches, some to his closest friends. There was Timothy, Titus, Philemon. And actually today I want us to especially look at his relationship with Timothy. Because Paul led Timothy to faith, but they soon became firm friends. Uh, they worked together, ministered together. Um, Timothy and Paul wrote letters together. And then Paul wrote letters to Timothy, at least two that we know of, when they were separated. And I'm sure if it had been today, they'd have kept in touch by by emails and phone calls and WhatsApps and so on. And keeping touch, this is obvious, isn't it? I'm just, yeah, I don't really need to say this stuff, but anyway. Keeping touch is so important, isn't it? Um, friendships soon die if we don't keep in touch with one another and share with one another. And, and we're all terribly busy, but somewhere in our program, we should be giving priority to our closest friends. Now, of course, we do need to be careful if you come to church and you immediately just come up to your friend, oh, yeah, and you, you just talk to your friend all the time. No, that's not right. Friendships actually should resource us to reach out to others. If not, it's not a healthy friendship, is it? Right, so where are we? Um, yeah, so how did Paul resource his friends? This comes to number two. He kept in touch with his friends. Secondly, he affirmed and encouraged his friends. In, in Timothy's case, Paul affirmed him by uh, repeatedly reminding him of his calling and his gifting. Uh, and he told him to remember the prophecies made about him so that he could fight the battle well. And he then goes on to say this, he says, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. That means probably about 40, by the way. Uh, Devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to preaching and to teaching. Don't neglect your gift which was given you through prophecy 
when the body of elders lay their hands on you. Timothy, guard what's been entrusted to your care. I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. But this wasn't a one-way relationship. There's Paul, you know, the great apostle, sort of giving, you know, whatever to to Timothy. No, it was a two-way relationship. He, He writes this, Do your best to come to me quickly, recalling your tears. I long to see you so I may be filled with joy. And Timothy's very presence lifted Paul's spirits. He needed the support of his friend. And as we saw earlier, Paul calls his friends my beloved. Same with Timothy. I think it's in 2 Timothy. He writes to Timothy, my beloved. And so Paul encouraged Timothy not only by affirming him, in his gifting and so on, but just by expressing his love to him. Now, as you may know, Jane and I lived in Mongolia for eight years, and one of the most remarkable characteristics of Mongolian believers is how loving they are to one another. And they show this in lots of ways, but I'll just mention one. They often say or write, I love you. They say it again and again and again to their friends. And actually, I was brought up never to say I love you. I was never told I was loved. And this time in Mongolia actually transformed how I relate to people. Because I realize the value, the importance of telling people that you love them. You see, friends need affirming. They need to know they're loved by by the Lord, yes, but also by members of his body here on earth. And, you know, it's obvious how we can do this. We can send little texts of encouragement. We can... Uh, Maybe they're on one of the ministry teams. We can say how much we appreciate what they're doing and how much we value them. But don't misunderstand what I'm saying because Timothy's, sorry, Paul's affirmation of Timothy was not simply nice strokes. Now, let's be honest here. We all like nice strokes, don't we? About, about 10 days ago, I got an email from someone overseas, and, uh, and they met someone who's a close friend of ours, and they wrote a little says, oh, we met so-and-so, and they're coming to the same church as us, and, um, and they said nice things about you, and you think, oh, isn't that nice? Oh, yeah, that's so nice, you know? Um, but Paul was pretty straight with Timothy. He was very frank. He was open with Timothy. And and sometimes his words could be quite challenging. And so the third thing I want to say about developing friendships is being open. And Paul was really open with his friends. Proverbs 27.9 says this, Perfume and incense bring joy to the heart, and the pleasantness of a friend springs from their heartfelt advice. Listen to how straight Paul was when offering advice to Timothy. 
Stop drinking only water and use a little wine because of your stomach and your frequent illnesses. Don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord. Flee the evil desires of youth. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments. But yet again, we see that Paul's relationship with Timothy was two-way. It was only to Timothy he said, I was a blasphemer. It was only to Timothy he said, I was the chief of sinners. And when asking Timothy to come and see him as soon as possible, he gave the reason that his, his co-worker Demas had deserted him. He, he was not afraid to be, to be vulnerable and share his deepest needs, his concerns, his worries, and so on. And we need friends like that. We need friends who, with whom we can be completely open when we're in need. Proverbs 17, 17 says this, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. In my life, on, on several occasions, I've witnessed severe conflict. And a couple of times, I was in the firing line. And um, I, I remember once when I, I was really mauled and I had all these accusations which I felt were completely unjustified. Uh, and I spoke with a friend. And the friend encouraged me, supported me but he also gave some really painful advice. He knew what kind of a guy the guy was who had um, done horrid things to me. He said, you must apologize to this guy. Even though I felt he was the one that ought to apologize. But it was good advice. And it led to reconciliation. And it led to me being able to forgive this person. And speaking our minds frankly and lovingly and openly is very important. And as we open our hearts to one another, not just one-way traffic, that should move us to prayer. And that's perhaps the greatest way we can show our love for our friends. Paul prayed for his friends. This is the fourth thing. Listen to Paul's words in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3. I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did with a clear conscience. As night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. Night and day? Not just daytime, nighttime. Wow. That's commitment. That's love. That's friendship. But as we've already seen, Paul's friendship was, um, friendships were, were, were two-way. He asked the, the churches to pray for him again and again and again. He wrote to his friend Philemon, I hope to be restored to you in answer to your prayers. And he needed the prayers of his friends. 
And I, I was thinking when I was preparing this, I was thinking back to when I was at uni and um, we made some really solid friendships when we were there and obviously we meet together and pray and so on. But some of them committed themselves to praying for us when we were overseas. And they're still praying. Many of them are still praying for us, still supporting us even now. And if you have friends, there is no greater gift you can give them than your prayers. I'll say that again. If you have friends, there is no greater gift you can give them than your, than your prayers. And you can pray when you meet up, maybe in a coffee shop or something. You pray over WhatsApp. You can pray on your own at home. Because prayer is the oil that keeps the, the wheels of friendship turning. And so we've seen that the Apostle Paul had amazingly intimate friendships. But in the final few minutes, I want us more briefly to look at Jesus' friendships. Now, when we think of Jesus, we immediately think, of course, of his 12 apostles and especially his closest, the three closest, that's James, John, and Simon Peter. And his friendship with them, you know, had many of the features we've already looked at, didn't it? You know, uh, John himself described himself as the one who Jesus loved. Um, we, we read of Jesus uh, praying for his disciples and Oh, and just a couple of weeks ago in my quiet time, I was reading about the, um, the night before Jesus went to the cross. And he says, I've eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. And, and I've read that loads of times. But it was the first time I noticed, I've eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Jesus needed his friends around him. But I especially want to draw your attention to three other people who were among Jesus' closest friends. That's Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. And people remarked about his love for Lazarus when Lazarus had died. See how he loved him. But I think that Martha had a special place in his circle of friends. In John chapter 11, verse 5, we read that Jesus loved Martha and her sister, and Lazarus. Now, in general, Mary gets a better press than Martha. But it's interesting that John says, Jesus loved Martha and her sister. And one way we see their close relationship is how open they were with one another. We all know the story of Martha sharing with Jesus how upset she was because, sorry, Martha sharing with Jesus, how upset she was that, you know, Mary was not helping in the kitchen. But Jesus was very straight in return and drew attention to the anxiety in her heart and her need to listen to his teaching. And then later on in John chapter 11, when Lazarus died, Martha and Jesus had, had a really frank exchange. This is John eleven twenty one. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. 
Martha answered, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And so not only was Martha very um, open in her relationship with Jesus, Jesus was too. Jesus shared a wonderful truth just with her, not with anyone else. Thankfully, she passed it on to others, so we know about it. I am the resurrection and the life. And we, so we see that, that both Martha and Jesus shared their deepest hearts with one another. Now, what, what kind of relationship does Jesus want to have with us? In John 15, 15, Jesus spoke to his disciples. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I've made, made known to you, friends. But his friendship was shown by his giving of himself in our place on the cross. Jesus said this two verses earlier. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. And Jesus has given his all for us, for you, for me, because he loves us and sees us as his friends. And if by chance you don't yet know Jesus and his amazing love for you. He wants to be your friend too. He gave himself. In your place on the cross. So that you might become his friend. And he wants all of us to have that same. Loving commitment in our relationship with him. And with other members of his body, and especially our friends. So as we come into land, we've seen the great value of friendship. And what are the key ways in which we can um, maintain and deepen our friendships? I mentioned four things. Keeping in touch regularly to keep our friendship growing. Affirming one another, expressing our love for one another, being open, sharing our deepest hearts, and challenging one another to press on, and praying, holding one another in our hands, and offering them to the Lord. It, it's so wonderful to have friends. It's so wonderful to be friends with Jesus and to be friends with members of his body. We'd love to invite you to be part of the community at Sheffield Vineyard. 
you can head to the website and find more information about how you can serve, join a life group, and get involved in church life in general. Bless you and have a great week.